So this morning, uh, we're going to be in James chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me there. James chapter 2, beginning in verse 12, um, James writes, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Can I get an amen for that? Hallelujah. Now, continue in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Amen. Woot woot. You guys ready for this one? Uh, Here we go. I'm going through 136 verses today. I'm just joking. (laughs) We're going to do an hour and a half sermon. Hopefully you brought snacks. <laughs> so, all my sense of humor aside, let's start with kind of just a review of where we've been, right? Well, the standard is faith. That's what the name of today is. And we're going to be in James 2. But as we're talking about where we've been, we have a gospel that's been given to each one of us, right? Jesus died for you. He didn't die for like this idea of this outside. He died for each of us to pay for each of our sins. And in that place, he made himself known and he is changing us and transforming us and storing something in us. We are given that to give, but to move from a place of where we've been given something to knowing how to steward it and give it back out isn't something that magically happens. So that's That's a place where we actually start walking out in discipleship. We walk hand in hand. We grow together. We we have this place where I'm just a little bit further up the road than you. I'm going to make sure that you get where you need to be. In this place, we take responsibility. But as disciples, there's so many lessons that each of us have, right? Right? Okay, remember, I got to hear you guys back when I'm talking at you. Or else I'm going to start calling on people. You know, and I know that gets uncomfortable. You know, walking and transforming with Jesus is this place where ultimately he gives us direction. He gives us, he gives us these places, and it's really much easier for us to go, our God wants us to go this way. These are the godly things. But actually, when we start participating with that, we have the chance to actually be transformed into that. And it means that we stand for unity. We stand for all the characteristics of God that I went over, which you guys can find on our website or Facebook I'm not going to go over the whole sermon. And then last week we went over doers and hear, not hearers of the word, right? And in that place, 
we don't just simply want to know what direction we're supposed to go. We don't want to know just what the right answer is. We don't want to be a storage of information, but we want to be doers. We want to be people who exemplify our God, right? In his goodness and all of his ways. Well, this week we will be talking about this standard which we live by. Even with, to quickly go over what a standard is, I'm not talking about like a standard like this is how we know. We already went over what direction is. We know what, what character we want to be, what we want to be like Jesus in. But the standard I'm talking about is almost like a filter. How do you rate success in your life? How do we find that we can be unified? How is it that we have a definer between us? And ultimately, that has to do with our faith and how we live. See, we have to make decisions on how we do things and how we even intake the information around us. But before I get to that, I have an illustration. You guys ready for it? All right, why don't you grab that bench for me? You guys grab those for me. <clears throat> so, most people don't know this, or really do know this. I love lifting weights. I, I used to be really, really good at it before the coronavirus happened, then I got chubby. But, I mean, you can just put it down. I like snacks, so I got chubby. But, <laughs> who likes snacks in here? Whoop, whoop especially if they are extra fatty. So before I have you guys come over, I want you guys to know in weightlifting, when you're in a gym, there's a few kinds of people, right? And there's a guy who spends more of the time talking than actually lifting, or they're texting on their phone. They just take up machines. That That's not the right way to do things. <laughs> just, just saying. So in that way, we talk about faith, and there's people who talk a lot about what they're going to do, but they spend their time doing other things. There's also, there's a guy who does a million things at a weight that's so easy for them that it's really just for looks, right? And then they spend the other time, like, flexing in the window, you know, like, sitting there. I'm, I'm not joking. This is a real thing. And that's where we see a lot of the times us who take religious standards, we talk about faith and we do things that are easy enough for us but actually don't cause us to struggle. But in, in the way that the real standard of working out, do you guys have any guess what the real standard of working out is? Stress and how strong you are. I mean, whether we like it or not, Whatever gym you go to, how strong are you? Originally, I was going to bring a bench press bar and have like a bunch of 45s and do a bench press, but I realized that'd be doing too much. So <laughs> why don't you guys bring this over here? So these two kettlebells are kind of heavy. Can you tell? <laughs> so here, let's step in front right here. So. And when we're under stress, we all can hold on to these things, and we see exactly what a person's made of. We see what they can do under pressure. But ultimately, you, just like working out, the truth is you don't know how strong somebody is until they start really actually doing the exercises to make it a standard. See? Brother Dame's not even tripping over here. But if you were to give him both of these. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm not going to do you like that, but I'll do it. Here, take this. <laughs> I promise I won't trip you. Here, you take that. You start actually taking these plates where. And you see that like there's a place where.
that people can be the quick talking all day. They can talk about faith. But until you get under pressure, that causes you to struggle. You don't know what your capacity is. Go ahead, sit down, guys. Go ahead, you can move them. I was going to do a bench press, but once again, I, it's not about me. I'm just trying to use the illustration. See, brothers, they make sure to take care of you when you start looking like a mess. So you got an inner toddler in me, and if there's a mess to make, I will make it. All right. I'm over here winded. That's how you know I've been hit that, I haven't hit that jib in a little bit. <laughs> My strength's still there. My condition's gone. Please don't make me run. I'm just <laughs> so, kind of wrapping it back around, right? We're talking about a standard. Well, today, we're going to talk about three subjects. We're going to talk about other standards as we walk with Christ, meaning not the standard we're supposed to live by, faith, and works. Amen? All right. Do you guys know what time it is? Testimony time. Ooh, yeah. So it's your time. Recognize that you are the proof of the God who is in this world. You're a living proof to people who cannot participate with that manifested God. Amen? So let's hear some testimonies. All right. What's up, Lucas? This is brother. Is it is it bad that I, I I want this coat? I want to rock this. I'm jealous. Well, my testimony is actually something really good. For a long time, I didn't know that God's been by my side, and just like seeing the clients and stuff that I don't even know about my own family, what's going on, and what they're going through. I see now that basically Armageddon is here and upon us. But I want to thank God for having all my family behind my back, even though I didn't know they were there and praying for me. So I thank God for having a family that does care about me, even though if my family's falling apart. Amen. Amen to that. Woo! Yes. God is good, isn't he? All right, all right. I want to see somebody else get up here. Just remember, I have no problem calling somebody. Ready? Set. I'm going to choose somebody I haven't chose before. Who's feeling uncomfortable right now? <laughs> Everybody knows I'm going to choose whoever's uncomfortable. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I will have Tim come on up. Yeah, you better look around. You know I'm talking to you, bro. Share where you've been at this week. Whoop, whoop. Give it up for Tim Murphy. He's like, bro, I did not come here for this. See, <laughs> so you brought your lightweights. Yeah. You want to lift it up? <laughs> Um, good morning, everybody. It's, uh, it's been a rough start to this year for me. Um, <clears throat> could have been a lot worse, though, I think. Uh, last Friday, I was in the emergency room with an infection. Um, it was probably the most pain I've ever been in my entire life. Um, I've been in a lot of pain. Um, I've hurt myself numerous times, but this infection was pretty bad. And so I spent a lot of time in the hospital last Friday, and well, then come Sunday, I was driving down the road, and um, somebody who was um, high on uh, heroin and Oxycontin um, came into my lane and started speeding towards me, almost, almost like they were kind of targeting me. It was really weird. Um, I swerved out of the way just in time, and uh, they hit the side of my car as opposed to going head on. I think it would have been if I didn't swerve when I did. Uh, the driver that hit me, she did not survive. So um, it's, it's kind of weird. I, I kind of feel like like I'm carrying her around with me these this past week. 
Um, I keep getting flashes of her face. Um, I saw her face when she was coming towards me. Um, doctor said uh, they were they were kind of concerned that I might have you know fractured my spine, um, but it turns out I just have some sprains and uh, yeah. Um, but on a bright side, I'm alive today. Um, I was able to sleep in my own bed. I was able to pick up my son this morning and change his diaper. I was able to make dinner for my family all week. Um, I was able to be there for them. Um, I know that um, it could have easily gone the other way. I could have easily been laid up, maybe with a broken back. But I think someone was looking out for me that day, and uh, my time's not done. I still got a lot to do. Still got a lot. I still got a lot to do on this world. So uh, I, it's going to take a lot more to take me out, you know. Uh, so that's all I got. Thank you. Sorry, Tim, about making you feel uncomfortable, but thank you for sharing. Thank you, everybody, for just being family. This is the thing I love about this is even though I make you feel very uncomfortable, you still come. <laughs> All right. Are we having fun yet? The reality is, even as we talk about standards, we look and there's a lot of things we can judge as standards. Looking at these testimonies, there's a thankfulness to God. There's a place where God is doing real things in our lives, and the standard they're thankful for is that God is here. Amen? That God is good, and that he's done something for them. In that same place, lifting weights, I'm like, oh, strength. But the truth is, is strength and my ability to get through things is not the standard of a disciple. My success and how far I get in this world, guess what? That's not part about being a disciple. Intelligence, how smart I am. Paul showed that his all he knew was scublon. You guys ever heard that word, scublon? It means poop. <laughs> I love saying that to my kids. Then y'all love the word scublon. Specifically Malachi. But I'm not going to, he can't say it right. He goes, Scooby on. But um, disciplines, how disciplined you are, how righteous, that's not the standard. Even the weaknesses you judge yourself by, those aren't the standards of what God lives this life by. Us as disciples, as we strive for our Christ, our Messiah, our God, and we worship him, the beautiful thing is, is guess what? It's funny, all the things that are important to this world aren't important to our God. That's not the standard we get to live by. There's a lot of awesome things, right? So let's talk about what the standard is. The standard is faith, of course. But faith is not just a word that like, we use often. I, I think faith in a lot of ways has lost its power. The truth is, is that it's become so mystical and so, you know, you just got to have faith. I hear George Michael in my brain, faith, 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 got to have faith, you know. But the truth is, is that, like, what does it look like to participate with faith? What does it look like to tell somebody to have faith? What does it look like faith that can move mountains? What does it look like the faith that we're called to have in Jesus. The truth is, is that I feel like there's such a key part that, like, I, I'm going to boil it down to a really easy word that none of us like, okay? You ready for it? Faith is trust. You have to trust God. Faith is trusting God. In the most unmystical way, trust. When we look at even the place of, like, living by faith means trusting Jesus and choosing him moment to moment. Mac, I can't ever pronounce his name, but living by faith, he says, means listening to Jesus and choosing to trust him moment by moment. 
The thing is, it's a lot different, even as we talked about last week, right? Is there a difference between hearing and doing? How many of us know a bunch of lessons, but we don't do them? That's what we spent last week talking about, right? Yep. The truth is, is that in that same way, is there even a bigger jump between doing and trusting? Yep. The truth is, is that it's like as far of a jump to hear and do to do and trust, right? Because it's, it's really easy for me to tell you, go ahead and um, worship the Lord. Amen. You know, worship God. But then in that place, without explaining it to you, could I tell you to trust why he's good? Just from telling you how to worship the Lord. No, there's a place where you have to have an experience for yourself. There's a place where you have to find what that means to you. In this same place, we have to learn how to trust. And our faith is based off of how much we trust God. When we look at Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust in, rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him, and he will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. Trust him. Rely confidently on him. There's a place where we get set on a path, and we think we know where we're going, right? It's like, have you ever, like, went and used your GPS, and you're driving, and it says, take a left at the next street. And you go, no, this way is way better. I'm going to take this way. And then you hit heck of traffic. And you're like, I should have took that left. <laughs> That's how it is following God. The truth is, it seems like he's taking us out of our way, but he's actually bringing us to the destination we're called to be at. Not just the way we select to get there. But it takes us trusting him to walk after that path. As we trust him and rely on him, it might not be the path we understand, but it is the one that will get us to where we're meant to be, which is with him, right? When we read Hebrews 11.1, it says, Now faith is the assurance, title, deed, confirmation of things hoped for, diligently guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the convictions of their reality, Faith comprehends as facts what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. I want to, even like from the beginning, to challenge us today to see a standard that causes you to risk a little bit. For us to be disciples of Christ, looking at the disciples of old, from an experience they were asked to trust and give up everything they knew. Because by accepting Jesus and following him, they were looking like heretics. He was claiming to be a new Jew. The thing is, Christian wasn't necessarily a phrase that was used at that time. You know, In reality, he was, he was talking about the new way of Judaism. You know, it was, a, it was actually spoken about as a sect that broke off from Judaism. That was talking about the fulfillment of the promises. And so then, of course, he's saying these promises are filled. Well, then, obviously, I'm Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm the Messiah. And they're like, ain't no promise filled. But the thing is, is that they would persecute anybody who would partner with this rebellion. And so they, in trusting God, put everything on the line. The question is, how do we trust like that in a world where there's nothing that it costs us to follow him? Then you have to put yourself on the line. You have to put your own rights on the line, your own understanding. Because when it doesn't cost you or risk you anything, it means you actually have to choose then. See, the standard of salvation is a very interesting thing to me, is we know the next verse that I'm about to say probably pretty well. Maybe not this version. How many of you guys have read Romans 10 before? So Romans 10 reads, 10, 9. It says, because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth 
that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right? Well, what's interesting is I, I like Amplified. It adds more words. And, you know, I, I'm long-winded. So it says recognizing his power, authority, and majesty as God. It also says a little bit later, resulting in his justification that is being made righteous, being made free of sin, an acceptable God. And with this mouth, he acknowledges and confesses his faith openly, resulting in confirming his salvation. We then move on to Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. And it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourself, is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So I've said a whole bunch of verses so far, right? Here's the thing. When we start talking about this standard of faith, the reason why I like that first verse from Romans, it's saying if you confess with your mouth, if you trust in, if you have faith in God, right, you will have salvation. It's a gift given. Does that mean there's anything we can do? No, that means that as hard as you work, you're not the one that actually provided for you. Jesus did. So then the standard isn't your works, isn't your strength, isn't your intelligence, isn't your righteousness. It simply comes down to, are you believing and trusting? Are you trusting that he'll provide? We keep going, and it it brings us to the standard of a disciple's life, right? And the standard of a disciple's life, we look at Hebrews 11, 6, but without faith, it is impossible to walk with God. And please him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. I've heard that faith is the belief of things unseen. Have you guys heard that before? Well, the thing is, is that the, it says that the demons believed in God and they quaked. So obviously that's not enough. The truth is, is that we have to be at a place that trusts his goodness, that's changed by it, that relies on it. So as we look at a disciple, uh, which I hope all of you guys are, if you guys aren't, holla at your boy, we'll talk about Jesus, and we'll debate, or we'll sit down, we'll eat some food, and then we'll be like this little baby just falling asleep on the, on the father's chest, you know, hallelujah. But anyways, the thing is, is that Ultimately, we cannot do anything, nothing that's pleasing to God without us having faith. Without us trusting God and earnestly and diligently seeking him, there's no way to please him. Do you know how simple that really is, though, like comparatively to how many steps you add to it, I add to it? I'm like, if I do it the right way, if I do it the exact way, if I do it with excellence, if I do every step, if I fix it, if I unbreak all the rules, if I sit here and I look perfect, you know what? If people like me, if I'm strong enough and I won't be hurt, if I don't risk anything, if on the opposite side, I risk everything, I give it all away, I'm broke. Maybe God will save me and love me. Maybe I'll find that the weights are even. But at the end of the day, it's only one thing that we find ourselves being pleasing to God with. When we trust him. We trust his goodness, and we seek that in the middle of everything. Because the placement that we're being put in is going to each call us from different avenues to trust him in different ways. See, Some of us may come from backgrounds like me, where the reality is addiction's real, hood is real, I have to overcome a bunch of things. So looking to trust God might look like me becoming more conservative with things at times. It might mean that I learn the opposite of my culture. But some of us in here, it looks like us risking more. It looks like us being uncomfortable a little bit more. Because trusting God 
leads us to the biggest thing that we ultimately all find it hard to do when we're our own God, is needing him. See, when we trust him, we realize the most vulnerable thing in each of our hearts is that we might need someone. And that's why it's scary. Because what happens if he leaves? What if he hurts us? What if he does these things? And ultimately, we don't see that our God, how good he is, is bigger than the possibility of being hurt. But kind of going backwards a little bit, remember I talked about this place we're going to hit works, right? Well, the thing is, as we look at in verses 14 through 20 in James, I'm not going to read it all, right? We see very clearly that works are proof, not standard. How many of us know we're not saved by works? How many of us try to prove that we're saved by works? The truth is, is that we all try and work hard to, like, equal our salvation. But we also have to have works because the truth is, is that, like, you only do what you believe. At the end of the day, if you have no works that reflect what you're saying you believe, you don't believe what you say you believe. I know that's rude, but the reality is, is that, like, the fruit we bear is the fruit we have inside of us. You can claim to be a banana tree, but if you make apples, you're an apple tree. <laughs> I mean, the reality is, is that there's a place that God's transforming each of you to be some kind of fruitful tree. It says that he, he, his will is for us to be fruitful, right? It says that he actually has plenty of fruit for us. And in that place, it takes us trusting to do that. But based off of how we do what we are trusting in, it will reflect the God that we're serving or reflect the God we are serving. You get what I'm saying? Big G, little g. Because the truth is, is that like it ends up being this conversation where on one side we see that like faith actually looks like something. Trust looks like something, right? It's like, has anybody ever done that trust exercise? I hate that thing. I'm too big for that. <laughs> okay? Like, <laughs> I'm just too big for that. But faith looks like something. The truth is, is that trust looks like something. When we talk about trusting somebody, you could say, I trust somebody, but if you never give a chance where you actually need help, or you need to receive, or you won't receive, you don't trust nobody. You don't trust them. You don't trust that person. In the same way, when we're walking after God, faith looks like something. Trust looks like something. And the truth is, words are cheap. When we look at verse 14 through 20, what it's saying is those who say they have faith but don't have works, they have dead faith. Dead faith. That means in that place is, in reality, it's like that person who's talking the whole time in the gym. Or if we were talking about like a person who is like, if they were fasting, which I've been doing and I have been failing, <laughs> you know, it's like I failed a few times, but it's that person who like in reality, they talk about fasting, but then the, all they do is eat the stuff they're not supposed to be eating when nobody's around. You ain't doing that. You can be looking good, but at the end of the day, our words are cheap. In that same place, if we try to compare having works, but really not doing it from the right motive, it's just as not good because our works are our proof. See, faith in God without works is dead, as it says. But when we, when we look at even like where I just lifted those weights, I can go a bunch with those. They're kind of heavy, you know. But the thing is, is that, like, if I can't lift under that pressure and I pretend to, then I'm just talk at that point. You know what I mean? What's the point in having those? Because God has given me a gift, even though these cost the arm and the leg. The thing is, is that he gave me a gift. And sometimes when you use that gift, it puts you under pressure. It calls you to be under pressure and a struggle. 
But the truth is, is that you have to trust that struggle so you can grow. Because under that pressure actually brings out the parts of you that are hidden. And it transforms the parts of you that still need to transform. Amen? But we also, can you do works from trust or faith in something else? Huh? Yes. How many people struggle with people pleasing? (laughs) I don't. But I was going to raise, that was me supporting you. That was me supporting you, okay? I love (laughs) y'all. Anybody who knows me is like, liar. (laughs) But the thing is, is that I supported you. Uh, In reality, there's there's a place that we can really do actions. And even when we have some of those great fruits of faith, we have to check the heart right here. And the reason why is because it all comes back to the standard. There's only one thing that's pleasing to God, us trusting him. So actually, did you know this is the very point why Luther hates? Do you guys know who Luther is, right? Martin Luther? I hope so. The guy was crazy. But (laughs) no, actually, he had some great writings. I, I do like some of Luther's writings. But Luther hated James. It was the book that he detested. Did you know that? In fact, he preached against James. It was one of the points that the early church was really very confused by. (laughs) Because what he felt like, works doesn't prove faith. Which is true. But what we do is we have a half picture. Because a world that has such a, a pretense on what works look like, right? You prove you. You prove what you can do. You are independent. Like, think about America right now. You're independent. You're going to get what you get. Think about the idea of capitalism. As much as you take, you'll get. Oh, maybe that's not capitalism. That's runaway capitalism. But, uh, (laughs) like, as hard as you work, you can achieve anything. That's it. America today. Make America great. Um, but anyway, so at the end of the day, I think there's a real place that we all grow and change and increase where we're at, right? And the truth is, is that we are built even with the presence that you have to constantly prove yourself. But what if you're accepted and all you have to do is trust your relationship? I look at Jack and our lovely sister Arlene back there. How long have you guys been married? Do you guys have anything to prove anymore? <laughs> I look at Alice. I forgot. How, how long were you married, Alice? At the end of that, like, were you guys trying to prove anything anymore? I mean, in reality, when we're walking after God, we have to look at it like these relationships. We no longer have to prove anything. The truth is, is that we just learn how to trust these people to be what we need. And we have to learn how to trust God to be what we need. So what I'm really talking about is like in Galatians 2:16 it says, "Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ." So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. We all get these ideas, no works. What am I really talking about? I'm talking about a new value system. I'm talking about a new value system that's built and centered off of something different than just what you can do. I promise you, at the beginning of their marriage, there was all sorts of things that those ladies were doing to make sure everything was perfect all the time. Right? (laughs) Bike. (laughs) But the truth is, is that, like, they probably were. Then you had kids. And was it perfect all the time? You know, what about the first like time you get really sick and somebody has to take care of you? Do you get to look so good anymore? No. The truth is is that all these things that we build up, we realize we can't be this and be around this person forever and want them in our lives that close. 
So for intimacy to occur, we have to trust them to get close enough to hold us, then to see us in all aspects. In that same way, when we walk after God, we're asking for a new value system that causes us to surrender just being that business person, just being that strong guy in the gym, just being intelligent, being the attractive person, being the organized person, the control freak, whatever you are. We all have our names, right? We all come from different cultures. In this room, we have at least four different countries represented, right? Five countries. I'm looking around. I know people where they're from, where their people's from. We have five countries in this room right now. Amen? That's the thing is, is that we can be, we are so different in this room. And I, I just pray we continue to recognize that in our differences, we actually can find where we're unified. See, we look at James 2, 1 through 4, and it says, My brothers, show no partiality as to hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. It goes on to say, for like, if a rich dude comes in with a gold ring, bling, and he, he's like, don't give him special treatment. If a poor dude walks in, don't treat him any different. We all are the same. It says no partiality. The truth is, let's make that scope bounce to today. That was a big thing then. Because the truth is, is that there was a lot more poor people, and it was dishonoring to have poor people in your house. Let's talk about today. The truth is, is that some of you guys have different backgrounds than me, but what if a drug addict was right there? Treat them no different than somebody who's exactly the same as you. It says no partiality, right? That means, what about somebody from the opposite aisle of the politics? I know it gets uncomfortable. I don't know everybody's political stance, but I can guess. And the truth is, is that we're in Portland. So we have both sides. And what about rich, poor, black, white? As we said, we have some people who are first generationals in here to don't even know no other country, right? We have people who have been all over the world, Jonathan Castillo, and um, we have people who have been nowhere in the world. You know what I mean? The truth is, is that the cultures in here are so diverse, if we were to start talking about our separations, that there's nothing to unify us, if that is how we define it, off of a standard. If we simply just talk about what's great about each one of your individuals and your standard for success and what makes you great or what qualifies you, you can never unify with a person in here or unify with God. But the reason why this standard is so key is because the truth is, is you're just like me. We all need Jesus. No matter how many different countries, right? Luda. Do you need Jesus? Miriam, you need Jesus? You need Jesus? <laughs> I mean, we look around. I'm like, Alice, you need Jesus? In that place, we are all the same. That instantly makes us on the same playing field, wanting the same Jesus that has the same impact. What all of a sudden took me in my journey where I can say, you know what, my experience is so different than Tim's, instantly gave me and Tim a place where we connected instantly because we want Jesus the same amount. See, what's interesting is also in this chapter, it goes on to say that what about the rich? It says, they should, hum they should be take the glory in how they're humbled. And what does it say about the lowly in spirit? It says that they shall be blessed for where God is good. And fulfills them. What's crazy about that is it says wherever you are in your story to get to that God that's asking you to trust him and you're diligently seeking him, that is how your testimony, your name, and your worth should come. It's not the places of how you're strong, you're capable, you're able, whatever, but it's simply where's God pouring himself all over you? 
And how do you get him? At the end of the day, we come to these points. Let's see. I think I wrapped up most of it. Oh. Is, is that it is cheap if the actions don't reflect what we trust. But the truth is we're all living in different worlds. And the one that unifies us to participate with God is not actually what you say, but it's what you do. Now, the thing that reflects him and brings us all into one is that he all is asking for all of us to do the same thing, which is to need him. Because no matter how great you are, I wish Cheryl was here. Cheryl says this phrase all the time, God is a 10 and you're a 5. The best you'll ever be is a 5, but God will always be a 10, right? In that place, I, I like that. Or was it you who said it first? It was, it was Cheryl. Um, the thing is, is that, like, that is so true. As great as we can claim to be at any of those giftings and any of those successes, does it change that God will bring us to the end of ourselves so we recognize that he is superseding all of what we can claim to be? At the end of the day, we all need him. And as disciples, the race that all of us are on, no matter if we're coming from addiction or we're coming from a long history with God, we've been faithful. Some of us have been faithful. Some of us have sown in so much, right? And some of us are baby Christians. But it doesn't change the fact that we equally love Jesus, and we're seeking him and we need him. In fact, I would challenge you guys to think that the longer you're on this race, the more you actually should recognize you need him. Because I would tell you that for my own walk, I'm much better of a person than I was even eight years ago. But the thing is, even though I'm a better person, I actually think I need Jesus more now than I needed him then. Because the truth is I recognize more and more the ways that I, I lack and he has. The more I recognize that these other standards have been built into every aspect of my life. That there is things that hold me to this world and hold us to a standard that keeps us separated. That keeps us disunified. That keeps us even disunified from God. That gets us asking the wrong questions and says, you'll never reach him. You'll never get him. And the truth is, is that we look, um, I think it's Acts 17, and it says that we cling moment by moment, getting closer to the Lord when he's actually not that far from us. The truth is, is the standards of this world have the hope to keep you separated from a God who's crying out and already died for you. See, we as disciples have to grow at weeding out these other standards so that we can see we all have the same king and the same need, his blood. We all have an intimacy that we're all crying out for, and there's no solution in this world that will ever make that better other than God. And the beautiful part is, is that be you on the, the, the one side that says, God, I don't have enough. I don't know how to do this. I've failed too many times. The truth is, is that our God is abundant and great, and his standard is simply one thing, for you to recognize your need for him. If you're on the other side and you're like, ooh, I got this. I got this. You know, I can do it all. Then the truth is, at the end of the day, you're in the same boat. You have to come back to the place where you recognize you need him. Because the standard all of us need, the biggest gift that you have to give to anybody in this room is the Jesus who lives inside of you. He's enough for all of us. None of you are ill-equipped because you have a king inside of you. You have a priest inside of you. I want you guys to recognize, even as we close our eyes, I want you to think to yourself, the, the inner voice that judges you does it judge you based off of what Jesus has said or what the world has said to you? Does it judge you off a name that you were given by God through the word, right? What he says he's done or a standard that we're still trying to achieve? 
I challenge you to think about that. Because all of us, we got a God who is here with us. He's seeking us. We have a family right here. We might not know how to interact with everybody in this room. That's okay. But the truth is, is we don't get to give up. And we all get to seek Jesus in the middle of those relationships. I love you guys. Close your eyes with me. Lord, thank you. Thank you that my silly workarounds, my rules, my expectations are always shattered by you, Lord. I thank you that you are the stumbling block on which I stumble and fall, Lord. I pray that I find myself on my knees before you on those moments, Lord. The truth is, is that you put those places to change me to recognize that I'm seeking something other than you, Lord. I pray that you would challenge all of our hearts and bring to all of our attentions the places where ultimately you're loving, you're hoping, you're saying, I see you, I want you, I got something for you, this world needs you, these rules aren't for you, Lord Jesus, I, I pray that you would, you would grab a hold of us and, and point out with revelation that the things that we are holding ourselves to, the, the rules and disciplines and and even ideals and the race we're running, Lord, any places that it's not with need of you, with faith in you, with seeking you at the center of it, Lord, I pray that you would reveal it to us. That ultimately, Lord, we are crying out for love and it isn't that far. Lord, I've, I think that sometimes we're in the fog and we don't know where to go and we can't even see our hand in front of us, Lord. I pray that like a light tower, you would guide us home. That you would continue to bring us into that embrace and teach us what it means to be loved. Teach us even more about who you are and your goodness because that's what transforms us. Lord, I pray that all of us as we walk through this week, that we continue to echo that first song of tonight. That no one else, no one and no one else, or whatever it says, my brain blanks, Lord, you know me, Mr. Magoo. But the truth is, is that like no one and no one else compares to you. Lord, that you are amazing. I pray that we could echo that over and over again, even as we see where we're trying to prove ourselves. And you've already proven us where we are still seeking a place at the table and you're just saying there's a plate waiting. Let us love, let us be loved. In your name we pray, amen.